Section 15 of the Life of Mozart, Volume 1 by Otto Jahn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Life of Mozart by Otto Jahn, Section 15, Chapter 5, Part 3. On May the 8th, they quitted Rome, where their stay had been in every way agreeable. They had been comfortably lodged in the house of the papal courier Uslingi on the Piazza del Clementino. Their hostess and her daughter treated them with every attention and kindness, making them feel quite at home in the house, and refusing to hear of payment when they left. The journey to Naples was one not to be undertaken without some apprehension. The roads were unsafe. A merchant had lately been assassinated, and sbirri and bloodthirsty papal soldiers were in pursuit of the murderer. Leopold Mozart hoped that similar measures would be taken in Naples. He thought it well, therefore, to travel with four Augustine monks, which was further an advantage, as it assured them a friendly welcome and hospitality in all the monasteries which lay on their way. In Capua they were allowed to be present as guests at the taking of the veil by a nun of high rank. Naples, where they remained from the middle of May to the middle of June, impressed our travellers with the irresistible charm of beautiful nature. At first they suffered from cold, but this soon turned to excessive heat, and Wolfgang, who had always longed to look brown, saw his wish in a fair way to be accomplished. They had good recommendations to the court from Vienna. Queen Caroline, whom Wolfgang had lately seen in Vienna, received them graciously, accosting them whenever they met. But Wolfgang was not summoned to play at court. The king, though not unmusical, cared for nothing that required any cultivation. What he is, writes Leopold Mozart, can be better told than written. The all-powerful minister Tnucci placed his major-domo at their service to show them all that was worth seeing. Other nobles followed this example, and every evening a magnificent equipage was placed at their service in which they joined the brilliant passeggio of the nobility on the strada nuovo or on the quay clad in elegant summer costumes leopold mozart had ordered for himself a coat of maroon-coloured watered silk with sky-blue velvet facings and wolfgang rejoiced in an apple-green coat with rose-coloured facings and silver buttons among Wolfgang's patrons was the old Princess Belmonte, the friend of Metastasio, and interesting to musicians as having been roused from deep melancholy by the singing of the tenor Raff. The rendezvous of artists and scholars was the house of the British ambassador, Sir William Hamilton, whose acquaintance the Mozarts had made in London. He himself, was a violin player and pupil of Giardini, and his charming first wife was not only a cultivated judge of music, but was considered the best pianoforte player in Naples. 
her brilliant shakes and turns were not less admired than the touching expression of her playing which was in accord with her gentle nature it was not without triumph that leopold mozart narrated her having trembled at playing before wolfgang they found other old friends in the swiss Tschudi from salzburg and in a dutchman named donker who had been kind to them in amsterdam every one pressed forward to offer hospitality and assistance under these favourable circumstances a public concert was given on may the twenty eighth with the most brilliant success a success the more welcome as they were not likely to find their tour a profitable one for some time to come leopold mozart was delighted with the situation fertility animation and curiosity of naples but he was shocked by the wretchedness of the population and above all by the superstition which prevailed not only among the lazzaroni but also in the higher ranks of society he witnessed an example of it when wolfgang played at the conservatorio della pieta the skill with which he used his left hand suggested to the audience that there was magic in the ring he wore when he drew it off and played without it the wonder and applause were redoubled the time of their stay in naples was favourable to musical interests simultaneously with the excellent representations of comic opera in the teatro nuovo there was opened on may the thirtieth the king's fete day the grand opera in san carlo for which giomelli caffaro and Maio were engaged anna de amicis was prima donna aprile principal male singer by a curious coincidence wolfgang was a witness of the first attempt made by giomelli who had left stuttgart for naples in seventeen sixty eight to regain the favour of his countrymen de regatti's opera armida abbandonata in which he made his reappearance was designed to satisfy the higher claims of dramatic music and to bring the results of his studies in germany before the italians who were however slow to appreciate them wolfgang thought the opera fine but too pedantic and old-fashioned for the theatre this seems to have been the universal opinion and later the increasing distaste to Germani's operas obliged the withdrawal of his Evgenia in Aulide and the substitution of Demofuante, November the fourth, seventeen seventy. The Mozarts found Giovanni polite and friendly. Through him they became acquainted with the impresario Amadori who offered wolfgang a libretto for san carlo but this owing to his previous engagement in milan he was obliged to refuse together with similar offers which had been made to him in bologna and rome on june the twenty fifth they travelled with post-horses back to rome through the fault of a clumsy postillion their carriage was upset leopold saved his son by springing out before the danger came he himself sustained considerable injury to his leg 
wolfgang was so tired by the journey they had driven twenty-seven hours without a stop that after he had eaten a little he fell asleep in his chair and was undressed and put to bed by his father without waking this stay in rome during which they were present at the illumination of st peter's at the delivery of neapolitan tribute and other ceremonies brought wolfgang a new distinction he was invested by the pope in an audience of july the eighth with the order of the golden spur which the father announces not without pride as a piece of good luck you may imagine how i laugh he writes to hear him called signor cavaliere the honour apparently made little impression on wolfgang for some years his father insisted on his signing his compositions del signor cavaliere w a mozart and advised him to wear his order in paris but later he let it drop and one never hears of ritter mozart whereas gluck who like klopstock wished to be outwardly recognised as the prophet of higher culture was very tenacious of his dignity as a ritter mozart was too simple-natured and too essentially a musician to set any store by outward distinctions on july the tenth they left rome where pompeo Bartoni had painted a fine portrait of the young maestro and travelled by way of civita castellana loreto and sinagania to bologna they arrived on july the twentieth intending to remain here quietly until the completion and rehearsal of his opera should render wolfgang's presence in milan indispensable leopold mozart's injured leg was still troublesome and he was otherwise unwell so that the friendly invitation of count pallavicini to pass the hot season at his country house in the neighbourhood of bologna was joyfully accepted they found the coolest best appointed rooms prepared for them couriers and servants were placed at their disposal and their intercourse with the noble family was pleasant and unrestrained the father was most carefully tended and wolfgang struck up a firm friendship with the young count who was just his own age played the piano spoke three languages had six tutors and was already a chamberlain wolfgang composed industriously and writes to his sister about four italian symphonies five or six songs and a motet which he had written his only distress was that he had lost his singing voice he had not five clear notes left either high or low and could no longer sing his own compositions at bologna they made the acquaintance of the operatic composer Josef Mislevicek, 1737-1781, who was finishing an oratorio for Padua, and was to write the opera in Milan for 1772. He is an honest man, writes Leopold Mozart, and we have become great friends. But their principal intercourse was with Padre Martini, with whom they became very intimate visiting him daily and holding long musical discussions 
the discourse and instruction of the great contrapuntist could not be without influence on wolfgang's work a list of sketches in difficult contrapuntal forms which according to the handwriting belong to this time must have been studies suggested by padre martini of peculiar interest is a three-part miserere for alto tenor and bass with figured continuo superscribed del signor cavaliere w a mozart in bologna seventeen seventy kirschel number eighty five it is evidently written under the influence of allegri's roman miserere generally harmonic with some few imitative introductory passages simple and very beautiful the three last movements quoniam benigne tunc accitabis are written by another hand and evidently not composed by mozart the subjects are severer and more simple probably padre martini wound up the youth's exercises by these movements of his own composition the philharmonic society of naples whose festival performance mozart had attended in company with burney honoured him with a signal proof of admiration and esteem this famous society founded in sixteen sixty six upon the presentation by wolfgang of a memorial and his accomplishment of a prescribed task elected him a member of their body as compositore this honour was eagerly sought after by the most distinguished composers for composers of church music it was important since benedict the fourteenth in a bull of seventeen forty nine had given a kind of overseership to the philharmonic society only its members could become capellmeisters to churches in bologna and by papal decree this membership was allowed to take the place of any examination the distinction was the greater since members were required to be twenty years old to have been admitted into the first class of compositore and to have been a year in the second class of cantori and sonatori leopold describes the election as follows at four o'clock in the afternoon of october the ninth wolfgang was required to appear at the hall of the society there the princeps academiae and the two censors who are old capellmeisters gave him an antiphon from the antiphonary he was then conducted by the verger to a neighbouring apartment and locked in there to set it in three parts when it was ready it was examined by the censor and all the capellmeistern and composers who voted on it by means of black and white balls all the balls being white he was called in and amid clapping of hands and congratulations the princeps academiae in the name of the society announced his election he returned thanks and the thing was over i was all the time on the other side of the hall cooped up in the academical library every one was astonished that he was ready so soon for many have spent three hours over an antiphon of three lines Notabene, you must know that it was not an easy task for this kind of composition excludes many things of which he had been told beforehand he finished it 
in exactly half an hour. The task was, according to the old statute, a cantus firmus from the Gregorian antiphonary, to be elaborated contrapuntally for four, five, or eight voices a cappella in duple time. It was to be executed strictly according to rule, adhering to the singular treatment of the harmonies belonging to the old style of church music. After 1773, the examination became more severe, and an Italian who stood the test at the beginning of this century speaks of it as consisting of three separate compositions. First, the given subject was to be arranged for four voices in falso bordone, that is, in plain harmonics, after the fashion of our congregational chorales. The second test consisted of a disposizione di parte, one voice retained the cantus firmus, the others were to be set to it in canonic or imitative mode. The motifs were often taken from the cantus firmus itself in a rhythmical diminished form. Strict imitation was not enjoined. It sufficed that the voices should follow each other with similar passages. The third task was a fuga reale, a perfect fugue, according to the rules of the church mode of the cantus firmus, in which one phrase is carried through as a theme, the other part serving as intermediate phrases. Wolfgang did not go through this examination without preparation. An elaboration in his boyish handwriting of the cantus firmus Cibavideos in Adipe, Kirchel number 44, is probably an exercise made under Padre Martini's directions. His trial work was a cantus firmus from the Roman antiphonary, a freely imitative contrapuntal arrangement of the accompanying parts overlying the cantus firmus of the bass, which is only to be adhered to in its melodic progressions and may be modified in its rhythmical divisions. The original from Mozart's hand is in the archives of the Philharmonic Society, where it was found by Gaspari in a volume of various test works, chiefly by Martini's pupils. Next to it among the documents was a second elaboration written by Padre Martini and copied by Wolfgang. Of this, a second copy is in the Mozarteum, from Wolfgang's hand, with his father's subscription dal signor cavaliere amadeo Wolfgang mozart di salzburgo scritto nella sala dell'accademia filarmonica in bologna dieci d'ottobre this was published as wolfgang's own test work kirschel number eighty six probably padre martini went through the boy's work which was not free from faults and was entered in the protocol as satisfying the conditions, and showed him how the task might have been executed. He took the copy of the corrected exercise to Salzburg when he returned there. On October the 18th they arrived at Milan and set vigorously to work on the completion of the opera. The subject chosen was Mitridate Re di Ponto, 
opera seria in three acts versified by vittorio amadeo cigna santi of turin where it had already been produced in seventeen sixty seven with the music of the Kapellmeister Quirico Gasparini. It was first necessary to finish the recitatives begun in Bologna, and Wolfgang worked so hard at them that he excused himself to his mother for not writing. His fingers ached so from writing recitatives. Every air in the opera was written after consultation with the singers male and female as to what was best suited to their voice and style by studying the taste of the vocalists and so engaging their zeal the composer found the best security for the favourable reception of his work if he were not fortunate enough to please his singers either the whole must be rewritten to suit them or he must be prepared to hear his music fall flat before the audience if indeed something quite different were not substituted by the performer when the composer possessed true talent and judgment this cooperation was less detrimental to the work than if it had been left altogether to the discretion of the performers nevertheless the danger of undignified subjection to their caprices was considerable wolfgang strove to extricate himself as best he might from the difficulties and intrigues which hindered his work these were the more vexatious as the singers arrived in milan so late as to give him little time for composition his father was careful not to allow him to overtax his strength and especially insisted on his not working immediately after eating unless under the pressure of great necessity they usually went for a walk first the mental strain of so important a task had a sobering effect on the boy's spirits and he repeatedly enjoins his mother and sister to pray for the success of the opera so that we may all live happily together again leopold begs his friends in salzburg to be charitable enough to write them cheerful jocular letters to distract wolfgang's mind there was of course the usual petty spite of the virtuosenkanai to combat they were not likely to leave unmolested a kapellmeister at once a youth and a foreigner but the father shrank from no difficulties which could be overcome by presence of mind and good sense and declared that they would gnaw through them all as the hansforst did through the drekberg the prima donna was not gabrielli but antonia Bernasconi, daughter of a valet of the duke of württemberg who had been educated as a singer by his stepfather andrea bernasconi kapellmeister of munich since seventeen fifty four with her was the first battle to fight for it was through her that the envious cabal sought to overthrow the young composer an unknown opponent of wolfgang tried to persuade her to reject the songs and duets which he had composed for her and to substitute those of gasparini but bernasconi withstood 
this infamous proposal she declared on the contrary that she was beside herself with joy at the songs which wolfgang had written according to her will and desire and the experienced old maestro lampugnani who rehearsed her part with her was never tired of praising the compositions another cloud in the theatrical heavens appeared in the person of the tenor the cavalier guglielmo dettore who had performed with great success at munich and padua this storm too was happily allayed but it must have been a threatening one for leopold mozart reminds his son of it later to encourage him in paris the last arrival was the primo uomo not manzuoli but santorini who had lately been singing at turin and had known them in bologna he was not at milan till december the first and the representation was to take place on the twenty sixth the rehearsals began under favourable circumstances even the copyist had performed his task so well that he had made only one mistake in the recitatives and the singers proved excellent as far as i can judge without fatherly partiality wrote leopold mozart on december the eighth i believe that wolfgang has written the opera well and with spirit on december the seventeenth the first rehearsal with full orchestra took place in the Redoutensaal, and the second two days later in the theatre the verdict was altogether in favour of the new opera before the first rehearsal with the small orchestra there were not wanting people who condemned the music beforehand as youthful and poor they prophesied as it were declaring it impossible that so young a boy and a german to boot could write an italian opera they acknowledged him to be a great performer but denied that he could by any means understand the chiaro et oscuro needed in the drama since the first rehearsal these people are all dumbfounded they have not another word to say the copyist is delighted which is a good sign in italy for when the music pleases the copyist often gains more by distributing and selling the songs than the kapellmeister by composing them the singers male and female are highly satisfied and the duet between the primo uomo and prima donna is especially praised the professori instrumentalists in the orchestra were pleased and declared that the music was clear distinct and easy to play mozart's friends were as cheerful as his detractors were gloomy and the most noted musicians such as fioroni sammartini lampugnani and piazza colombo were decidedly in favour of the opera under these circumstances although the first opera of the season was usually the least esteemed they could look forward with calmness to the representation this took place on december the twenty sixth under wolfgang's conductorship and the result surpassed all expectation every song except those of the subordinate personages was received with 
deafening applause and with the cry evive il maestro evive il maestrino contrary to all custom at a first representation a song of the prim and honours was encored at the second performance the applause was still greater two songs and a duet being encored but as it was thursday and the audience wished to go home to supper before midnight so as not to encroach on friday fast day the performance was cut short it lasted however including the ballets at the end of each act six good hours on january the fifth seventeen seventy one leopold mozart wrote home to his wife our son's opera is received with general approbation and may be considered as the italians say dalle stelle since the third performance we are alternately in the pit and the boxes hearing or seeing and every one is curious to talk with or look closely at the signor maestro for the maestro is only bound to conduct the opera three evenings lampugnani accompanied at the second pianoforte and now that wolfgang does not play he takes the first and mercure chiesa the second if any one had told me fifteen or eighteen years ago when i heard so much of the opera songs and symphonies of lampugnani in england and mercure chiesa in italy that these two men would perform your son's music and take his place at the piano to accompany his opera i should probably have directed such a person to the madhouse as an idiot we see by this how the power of god works in us men when we do not bury the talents that he has graciously bestowed on us the opera was repeated twenty times and always with growing applause and a full house the milan news january the second seventeen seventy one assures its readers that the youthful composer studia il bello della natura e ce lo rappresenta adorno delle più rare grazie musicali wolfgang received from the public the appellation of the cavaliere filarmonico which was confirmed by the accademia filarmonico at verona who elected him as their kapellmeister on january the fifth seventeen seventy one professional cares did not engross all mozart's time and attention they became on intimate terms with the young signora d'aste daughter of the government secretary troger and she prepared german dishes for wolfgang they were frequently invited by count firmian who gave a concert on january the fifth when wolfgang played a long difficult concerto at sight they had a trip to turin saw a splendid opera and were back in milan on january the thirty first leaving again shortly for venice where they arrived on the monday in carnival week they were hospitably received by a merchant vida a business friend of hagenau's they enjoyed in all comfort the pleasures of a venetian carnival and having introductions to all the nobility splendidly appointed gondoliers were always at their service one invitation followed another and almost every evening was passed at the opera or at some other place of amusement a concert was given by mozart with brilliant success 
On the return journey, undertaken on March the 13th, they stayed one day in Padua, visiting the musical celebrities Francesco Antonio Vallotti, 1697-1780, one of the first organ players in Italy, and almost as good a theorist and contrapuntist as Padre Martini himself, and the composer and Munich Kapellmeister Giovanni Ferrandini. Tartini had died the year before. Wolfgang played on the excellent organ in Santa Giustina. At Padua, too, he received a commission to write an oratorio to be completed at home as opportunity offered. At Vicenza, they remained some days at the request of the bishop of Cornero, who made their acquaintance at Venice, and at Verona they stayed with their old friend Luciati, who gave a brilliant reception in Wolfgang's honour. On March the 28th, 1771, Wolfgang was in Salzburg again, enriched with many experiences and loaded with honours. His talents matured and his tastes improved, but his nature, as simple, modest and childlike as when he had set out. The most direct result of the great success of his opera was a commission from the impresario in Milan for the first opera of the Carnival of 1773, with an increased remuneration of 130 Gigliati. End of section 15 Chapter 5, Part 3